Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. Carl Icahn has had a long career in markets, starting out as a stockbroker in 1961, later becoming a risk arb and options trader. In the 70s and 80s, he was a notorious corporate raider. He was accused of being an asset stripper, the worst kind of stripper, in his dealings with TWA. Today, he's a notorious activist investor, known for forcing even the most respected CEOs to bend to his will like Apple's Tim Cook, who he pressured to return capital to investors through a share buyback in 2014. Some of Icon's earliest arbitrage trades involved investing in closed-end mutual funds, a type of investment company which often trades at a discount to the value of the assets they hold. He would then agitate for the fund to liquidate, yielding a profit. Icon, who has spent his whole career on offense, now finds himself playing defense as another activist investor, Hindenburg Research, is claiming that Icon's $18 billion market cap holding company, Icon Enterprises, has a Ponzi-like economic structure that is sustained only to the extent that new money coming in is willing to risk being the last holding the bag. In brief, Icon is accused of using money taken in from new investors to pay out dividends to old investors, and he's accused of doing this to keep the stock price high, stock that he has pledged as collateral for a margin loan. Hindenburg is a short-selling activist hedge fund run by Nate Anderson, and earlier this year I covered their allegations against Adani Group. Anderson is most famous for having released a video of Nikola's electric truck prototype being towed up a hill in order to be pushed down to make a promotional video showing that the technology was fully operational. Trevor Milton, the CEO of Nikola, ended up being convicted of fraud based partially upon this evidence. Hindenburg have recently been in the press for taking aim at beard enthusiast Jack Dorsey's payments company, Block. At the end of 2022, the net asset value of Icon Enterprises was marked at $5.6 billion, while its market value was $18 billion. This is quite a surprising premium. Icon Enterprises has two unusual features. One is that it has a very high dividend yield, and the other is that around 88% of its shares, or units, are held by Carl Icahn and his son Brett, who typically take their dividends in shares rather than in cash. The dividend is only paid out in cash to the 12% or so of outside investors. Hindenburg says that Icon Enterprises funds this dividend through continuous share sales rather than the cash flow of its investments. Hindenburg described their view of this alleged arrangement as Ponzi-like. Prior to the release of the Hindenburg report, Icon Enterprises had a 15% dividend yield. 
The stock fell 40% when the report was released earlier this week. The declining share price means that the yield has rocketed to over 25%. The fall in the unit price has knocked around $5 billion off the net worth of Carl Icahn. And Carl is 87 years old right now. And losing $5 billion at this stage in his career is likely to severely impact his retirement. So most investors in trying to work out if a stock is overvalued or not, firstly check if Kathy Wood has a large position in the stock, and secondly check to see if Jim Cramer has recently called it a buy. We get mixed signals here, as Kathy doesn't seem to own it, and Cramer says, You think it absolutely is going to be a winner, right? You got a 40% yield, Carl Icahn, but I will not recommend stocks that I don't know what's in. It's just since the start of the show. I don't know what's in that fund. I can't recommend it. I don't know. Is a can't recommend from Kramer good or bad? It's hard to say. Maybe he wants to recommend, but he just can't. We'll never know. I guess we'll just have to look in greater detail at the accusations. There's no shortcuts today. The main three claims being made by Hindenburg are firstly that the units are overvalued relative to their reported net asset value. And this has happened because retail investors are dazzled by the high dividend yield. Secondly, Hindenburg are implying that the dividend itself is somewhat fraudulent because it's not funded by earnings, but instead by selling new stock to retail investors. Thirdly, they claim to have uncovered evidence that Icon Enterprises overvalues some of its less liquid assets when calculating the net asset value. I mean, what is it, a Blackstone real estate fund? Finally, they're saying that Icon makes poor investments that have negative operating cash flows, which further shrink the asset value and makes the dividend unsustainable. Hindenburg claimed to have uncovered evidence of inflated valuation marks being used for some of the less liquid and private assets included in the holding company. They give the example that IEP owns 90% of a publicly traded meat packaging business that it valued at $243 million at year end, when the listed company had a market value of only $89 million at the time. Hindenburg claimed that IEP were marking the value of this illiquid stock, whose stock price can be observed in the market, 204% above the prevailing public market price. The report states that IEP marked its automotive parts division at $381 million in December 2022, and that its key subsidiary declared bankruptcy a month later. You're not really meant to do that. They take shots at Icon's stock picking too, saying our analysis of Icon's latest December 2022 13F filing indicates that IEP's long holdings have lost approximately $471 million in value year to date, despite the S&P gaining approximately 9.2% over the same time frame. 
They estimate that IEP's current NAV is closer to $4.4 billion, or 22% lower than its disclosed year-end indicative NAV of $5.6 billion, suggesting that units were trading at a 310% premium to NAV, with an annual dividend rate of 64% of NAV. In their report, Hindenburg calls out Jefferies, the only brand name investment bank that publishes research on Icon Enterprises. They highlight that Jefferies also helps the company to sell its stock. Where is Credit Suisse when you need them? The report says, in essence, Jefferies is luring in retail investors through its research arm under the guise of IEP's safe dividend, while also selling billions in IEP units through its investment banking arm to support the very same dividend. They say that Jefferies has run all $1.7 billion of Icon Enterprises at the market stock offering since 2019. Icon Enterprises responded to the criticism by saying, that it stood by its disclosures. The press release says, we believe the self-serving short seller report published by Hindenburg Research today was intended solely to generate profits on Hindenburg's short position at the expense of IEP's long-term bag holders. Sorry, unit holders, not bag holders. They're, they're holding units. Um, anyhow, the Hindenburg report highlights that Icon has taken out margin loans on Icon Enterprises, meaning that he's borrowed money using his stock as collateral. The report says that he's pledged around 60% of his IEP holdings for personal margin loans. If the stock were to continue to fall, Icon could be forced to sell stock to meet margin calls, which could push the stock price down even further. They point out Icon has not disclosed the details of these margin loans, like loan-to-value maintenance thresholds, so there's no way of knowing when he could be forced to sell. In many ways, the allegations against Icon are very similar to the allegations Hindenburg made against Adani Group earlier this year a company that is mostly family-owned, which is being accused of manipulating up its price in order to borrow money and to issue stock at inflated values. Hindenburg additionally points out that the IEP is highly levered, with $5.3 billion in debt and maturities of $1.1 billion, $1.36 billion, and $1.35 billion due in 2024-2025 and 2026, respectively. They point out that most closed-end holding companies trade close to their net asset value or at a discount to their NAVs. The report highlights, for comparison, that vehicles run by other star managers like Dan Loeb and Bill Aikman trade at discounts of 14% and 35% to NAV, respectively. As I mentioned earlier, Icon used to break up this type of company to extract the value associated with these discounts. Conglomerate companies are really any holding company entity that's a grab bag of many other businesses, including structures like closed-end funds, typically trade and often trade for decades of time at a discount to their net asset values. 
This is the case even in situations where the portfolio itself is holding clearly identifiable assets with well-known market valuations. Sometimes they're holding shares in publicly listed companies. There is, in fact, an entire valuation method used in corporate finance called sum of the parts valuation, which exists to value conglomerate-style holding entities, and it's well understood that market valuations are often well below the sum of the parts valuations in part because investors apply a discount to these businesses due to concerns about management waste, concerns that management might misuse retained earnings for malinvestment to retain control over as large a business as possible. Investors are also concerned about the timing of capital returns to shareholders, the timing of sales of elements of the underlying portfolio too, worrying that the holding company management will sell at the worst possible time in the future, or about tax uncertainty around future dispositions. When Hindenburg compared Icon Enterprises to all 526 US-based closed-end funds in Bloomberg's database, IEP's premium to NAV was higher than all of them and more than double the next highest that they found. So look, the term Ponzi-like economic structure, it does sound bad. It's frankly over a hundred years since we've heard anyone really speaking well of a Ponzi-like economic structure, and that's mostly because it's been over a hundred years since Charles Ponzi was put in prison for his scheme. Essentially, the accusation that Hindenburg is making is that the shares trade for more than they're worth, and for this reason, Icon is selling additional shares for more than they are worth to the public in order to pay a big dividend to his shareholders. I mean, it's basically just a meme stock. If people will pay more for your shares than they're worth, it probably makes sense to sell additional shares to people who are willing to overpay for them. At least Icon has restrained himself from behaving like Adam Aran and doing interviews in his underwear to keep the stock price elevated. Matt Levine from Bloomberg argues that the way this structure works, Carl Icon is the majority owner of a bag of cash and he keeps giving other people some of the cash in exchange for an increasing ownership stake in a shrinking bag of cash. Levine points out that Carl is himself taking the risk of becoming the last one holding the bag. Of course, he has borrowed against the overvalued units. If the stock fell enough in value to the point at which it started trading at a discount to NAV, Carl could stop selling new shares, as he wouldn't want to sell them at a discount to NAV, but he could keep paying shareholders a dividend and paying himself in shares in order to increase his ownership in the now undervalued bag of cash. It's quite a game. We shouldn't forget the management fees associated with this structure either. Carl Icahn and his management team are charging around 2% annually on the fund's NAV, or over $100 million per year for running the holding company. I was a bit amused by how hard it was to dig the management fees out of the investor presentation that's available online, but I found an SEC filing where they avoid the use of the term fees, instead they use the term special profits interest allocations, 
which range from one and a half percent to two and a quarter percent per annum. And then there are the incentive allocations, which must be a performance fee, which ranges from 15 percent, in some cases subject to a preferred return, to 22 percent per annum. So let's call it a 2 and 20 fee structure. You can hopefully see how, with such a fee structure, management might be tempted to exaggerate the nav of the partnership, as that's what they charge fees on. Hindenburg's argument is that this stock trades at a 200 to 300% premium to its net asset value, which is surprisingly high especially for something that has not been identified as a meme stock. And it's hard to argue with them on the point that there has been remarkably little discussion of this premium. Now that this is being widely discussed, I think the stock can reasonably be expected to start trading either closer to its nav, which might mean margin calls for Carl, or he could start doing meme stock CEO stuff to pump the price back up. We've learned over the last few years that there's no need for a price to be grounded in economic reality if the CEO can meme well enough. This is possibly the best strategy for Carl right now. Issuing an NFT seems very 2022 to me, but the stock has fallen around 40% since the report came out, leaving lots of room to sell more units at a premium to NAV to fund maybe a dividend hike. ICANN Enterprises isn't a standard meme stock, it's a boomer meme stock, and so 420 jokes and NFTs might be badly suited to that generation, but a dividend hike might just do the trick. I'm not sure though, I'm a bit out of date on the mechanics of meme stock pumping, but if you have any suggestions, do let me know in the comments section. Hindenburg did find one prominent endorser of their report, Bill Aikman of Pershing Square, who famously clashed with Icon over the prospects of Herbalife, the supplements company that Aikman had shorted many years ago. The two billionaires famously argued about it on CNBC in 2013. They appeared to have since made peace, but Bill Aikman tweeted about Hindenburg's report when it came out. There's a karmic quality to this short report that reinforces the notion of a circle of life and death. As such, it's a must read. Thanks for tuning into today's podcast. If you found it interesting, send a link to some of your friends, as that's how podcasts grow. Special thanks to my supporters on Patreon whose support makes this podcast happen. Have a great day and talk to you again soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.